of a transforming experience over the next few weeks. How many have five minutes extra in their life? Okay, how many have 15 extra minutes? Maybe how many have 30 extra minutes? How many of you could carve out an hour for transformation? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to experience some transforming things this next few weeks, and I'm very excited. Well, if when we ended Bible study in June, you would have told me that by the time we came back together, I would have moved, sold my house and moved, I would have said, what are you talking about? But one day the Lord just spoke to us and said, hey, you know, we've been living on a half an acre for several years in your Belinda, and it was getting to be a lot of upkeep. And one day Pastor Rick just said, I'm just done with having lists. And the Lord just, with, we sold our house in 20 days. And um, we bought a brand new house, and we're living in Eastvale, which is just about 15 minutes east on the other side of Yorba Linda, if you went over the hill. And uh, we're so excited. We moved last night, yesterday. We started at 3.30 a.m. yesterday, and our kids were there helping us, and we, I hit the pillow last night at 1.00. And so, um, and it was so funny because I woke up this morning. Of course, we had a new grandbaby last week. And, of course, everything was all set up. You know, we were supposed to move the week before. And then there, there was a little glitch on the buyer side. And, of course, you know how it happens. And so we just have to roll with the punches, right? So I know God, he's in the midst of that. And I can tell you I'm standing here because of his strength today. That's the only reason. So if there's ever a testament of prayer, right now, right here, today. So um, what we're going to do is we are passing out a binder. Um, This is your homework binder. And um, G is passing out. Maybe a couple of the table leaders could, could grab. Misty, could you help them too? And we'll pass those out. Um, and what we did is this summer, we, we're going to be using a book called The Hour That Changes the World. This book is actually optional. We have a Gia, raise your hand. Gia has the books available. You can order them. We only have a couple left. We had such a huge turnout last night. Um, and, but these books are optional. You know, you can order it on your Kindle. You can order it online. You can order a used one. Even if it's marked up gently, they might have some really good notes. Maybe you could get, like, Dick Eastman's copy. No. Um, So uh, these are the books. They are optional, but I would recommend every Christian has this classic book on their bookshelf. It is really an amazing book a manual on how to pray. It should be called Prayer for Dummies 101. (laughs) None of us are dummies. But um, this is a great book, so I encourage you to get this. And you guys can turn your chairs around. You don't have to be... You'll have to get a chiropractor. Shaney Poo. She just, you know what? She was sitting that way because she wants to go to sleep. She was going to put her head down. She's been busted can say that since I knew her since she was three. Um, So this is a book we're going to be using, but this summer, Pastor Kim 
put together this amazing um, binder. I'd like to say our graphic artist is Lisa Hinesley. All of our volunteers, these are people that volunteer. Ladies, if you helped assemble these books, will you just raise your hand? Oh, they're not even here. Oh, they're okay. They're being shy. But thank you. Hours of books, all these books. So thank you. These books are a $5 donation because just the binders alone are almost $3. So if you could give us a donation, you can just, um, you can just, we'll pass the bucket at the end. But please, if you can't give it today, or maybe you can go, you know what, I can put enough in for four or five people. It's just so we can just, we're not making anything. We're not trying to make money. We just want to cover our costs. Because I was informed by our bookkeeper that the women's ministries uses more paper than any other ministry in the church. She was very nice about it. <laughs> she said, um, I just wanted to mention to you that I noticed that the women's ministries uses more paper than any other ministry in the church. I said, oh, good for us. <laughs> I love her. Marge is great. So anyway, this if you guys can do that. And, you know, uh, Rose, you can just put that at the table back there. And people, you, uh, we're going to just take you by your good, you know, honorable and if you can't do it today, please, you know, it seems like, oh, wow, we took offering and now we're taking more money. So we're not, we're not taking more money. They love the Lord. And if you say, hey, I, I don't have cash or a check on your, there's tithe envelopes. There's actually a credit card area on that table you could put there. Okay, enough for that. Let's open them. We do a study most of the time. It's called a three-question study. And what we do is you will have each week a teaching, and it will be on a theme. It will be the theme of what you just studied this time. Sometimes we reverse it and we do it the other way. But this time, you will do homework. And when you come to Bible study, the teacher will teach about what you studied all week. So just take it and open it. If you'll see the first page is the introduction, the slender nerve of prayer. To the left side, you'll see that there is a graft on the inside of this page. Okay? So if you turn the page right here, and this is a prayer graph. It's really a 12-step, and this is what the book explains more, and each week we will talk about this. But prayer is broken up into 12 five-minute segments. And each segment is a different aspect of prayer. Now, I know a lot of times we pray and we go, okay, I just prayed, what, three minutes? I'm done. This graph is intended to infuse your prayer life and to inspire you on how to pray. Because one section is, let's say, Thanksgiving. You, it, it talks about giving you five minutes in this book will explain ways that you can take five minutes to give thanks. Or another section might be confession. And this book will take five minutes, tell you how you could spend five minutes confessing. Or petition, which is asking our requests before God. Or meditation. Or praying the word. Okay, so there's... Now, just to make it even easier for you, if you go to the folder in the front, the pocket in the front, da-da, this is your bookmark. And what I undo, I would encourage you to do is take this bookmark and put it in your Bible 
or in your journal. And we'll get extras made. Maybe you want to put one in here and one in there. So when you're praying, right here, ladies, if all you take away from this Bible study today is this card, and I am challenging you, whatever amount of time you can give to the Lord with this card every day, I will give you a money-back guarantee that your life will be transformed because prayer does work. Prayer changes things. When we were worshiping this morning, I looked over and I saw all of us, and actually I saw Carolyn, my daughter. I was looking at how beautiful she is and both my daughters are beautiful and all my extra daughters all over here. And all of a sudden, she turned into a ruby while she was worshiping. <laughs> Cindy's a diamond. <laughs> but not just her. As I moved around, Cindy literally turned into a beautiful I, th- I think it was like a diamond, and then Maggie turned into like a beautiful green stone. And then I looked around, and different people were different stones, beautiful stones. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he goes, those are my prayer partners. He goes, those are my beautiful gems. When we pray, we become like jewels to God. And it's not, he's not saying, I'm asking for blood. He paid the price already. He gave his blood so that we could just have relationship with him. And you can be a brand new Christian and be a powerhouse for God. You could break this up into 12 segments. You could break this up into every time, you know, you're, you're cooking dinner or breakfast or lunch. While you're doing that, you just set this there. Or maybe while your kids are doing homework. Whatever, carve time for transformation with this card. Everybody take this card out, okay? And put it in between your hands like this. Just just take this. And we're going to pray. Lord, I speak a prayer of release over our congregation, our women in our congregation. Lord, as their pastor, Lord, I speak release for them to become prayer powerhouses. Lord, that that you would speak to them in ways that they have never known. And that, Lord, they will see, Lord, doors open, Father. I see, Lord, just gates and doors flinging open because prayer works. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so put your little prayer back. You put that in your folder. And this right here is actually at the front of each one. And this is the notes that you're going to take when your teacher teaches. And we'll actually have these extra notes always extra at the table if you want to even put them, insert them in between. And we'll make sure our bookkeeper knows that I said that. So we're going to use even more paper. And... uh, (laughs) This is for you just to take notes each week when the teacher teaches. There'll be little points up on there. And, and we want to do it that way so that you can hear from God. Sometimes pe- you'll teach and people come up and go, 
oh, I thought that was so awesome what you said. And you're like, I don't remember saying that. It's because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, okay? So this week's focus, um, each week, here it talks about how to set aside a time. And then this is where we get to the three-question study. I'm going to direct you, which is right here on the very front page in case you don't remember, actually on this page. We follow Anne Graham Lotz, which is Billy Graham's daughter. We follow her Bible study uh, technique, which is her three question. It's right here on the bottom of the graph. You can go to her webpage and go to her free resources, and there is actually a tutorial on how to do the three-question Bible study. I've actually been in her seminars where she taught this, and this is what she does daily in her devotional and prayer life. This is what she does, is she does this three-question. And that is simply, so go to that first page, which is this uh, day one, introduction, day one, And it says here, look in his word is number one. So see this says, look in his word. Number two is list the facts. Number three is learn from the lessons. And number four is listen to his word. So you just simply take, and before you begin, I always encourage you to pray. And if you just read this scripture here, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer. You would read that. And then right next to it on number two, you list the facts. It tells you right here, where does the passage, what does that passage say? And then go verse by verse, and you don't have to do verse by verse by verse because a couple of these are a little bit longer. And normally we try to just keep it at four or five verses. And you just write the facts. Now, if you're like me, I can't just stick to the facts, ma'am. I'm the kind of person that has to try to give my own. No, just say what the scripture says. It says here that the Lord appeared to him. The Lord heard his prayer. Okay, that's simply all you need to do. Then the third question is, what did this passage mean? What lessons can be learned from these facts? And it says, be spiritual in your answer. Well, it says the Lord appeared to him. That must mean he's seeking the Lord. So I would put, well, the Lord appeared to him because he must have been seeking God. So just put what the Lord speaks to you as you do that. And then number four, what does this passage mean to you? And rewrite the lessons from step um, three in the form of a question. Be personal as you answer. So I might put, has the Lord ever appeared to me? What is the Lord saying to me? Has the Lord ever answered my prayer? See, so now by the time you get done, the whole goal of this, ladies, is for you to have a dynamic personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you will devote time every day to just pray and to do this simple three questions, I promise you, truly promise you that you will have transformation in your life okay so turn to your neighbor and say I'm going to do it I can do this I can do this I can do this okay 
So open up your notes, and I'm going to give just a little bit of a teaching. We have a surprise today because we have a guest speaker in just a few minutes that's going to share. So our format is we come together and we fellowship together in eating. Um, Bible study starts about 9.30. People start arriving about a quarter after. Child care is open at a quarter after. You eat, sit down. Your tables, again, you have a table leader. If your table leader could raise their hands at each table. And the table leader is here if you have any questions. If you want to know more about studying scripture, you need prayer, we have prayer. And if you're at a table today and you go, you know what, that just wasn't my my niche. I'm not sure that's the best table for me. You're welcome to try another table. Not one table leader here would be offended. They want you to be where you feel like your niche is, okay? And uh, so then, and then we have worship. We have our, you know, announcements and all of that. Rose is the facilitator on Mondays, and then, uh, I mean, on Tuesdays, and Joy McGinnis facilitates our uh, Monday night, so it's very exciting. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the slender nerve of power, which is prayer. The slender nerve of power is prayer, and you can just use those blank notes at the front. Margie, can you hold yours up so they can see? These are the notes each week. That's what you'll use to take notes. Up here on the overheads, you'll be able to, I have my talking points that will be going through. And I try to do it, the teachers try to do it in an outline. Er, We have different teachers that teach, and they try to put it in an outline. But again, you hear from the Lord. What is he saying for you? Last night, I got a call from a precious husband that says, my wife really needs to talk to you. She's going to kill me that I called you. And when I first got the call, I thought, oh, my goodness, I had boxes stacked up to here. And I was, oh, thinking, how am I going to even get out of bed in the morning? And I went, nope, this is the most important thing I do. And he put his wife on the phone, and she was crying. She was so mad at him. Why did you do that? And he said, because you need to talk to her. And uh, I began talking and encouraging her, and she's just facing a very overwhelming season in her life, and I prayed with her, and by the time we got done talking, she was laughing again, and she was telling her husband, thank you so much, you love me so much, you did that, because he recognized that she needed somebody to connect with her, to pray with her. He realized he didn't have the answers for her. See, prayer is that nerve that releases the power of God in our life. The saddest thing to me is to be a Christian and not be plugged into the source. John 15 tells us that he's the vine, we're the branches. If you abide in me, you'll ask what you will, and it will be done to you. I encourage you to read that portion of scripture this week. John 15, he says, I no longer call you servants, but you are my friend. When the kids were really little, and I could tell you I am confident that laundry grew in my laundry room as fast as mushrooms on the grass. And I would go to bed, and I honestly thought that I only had one load of laundry in the morning, and when I woke up, there were four. And I was sure everybody had done their homework, and I was sure that everybody's backpacks were ready to go and their lunches were made. And then I would wake up in the morning and somebody couldn't find a shoe or their underwear was 
lost or, you know, whatever it was. Or somebody burned somebody's forehead um, <laughs> with a curling iron. <laughs> Every morning was a new adventure with five children, wonderful children, wonderful memories. And I just felt like I was never getting ahead. I just felt like I was always not making and not doing enough, not being a good enough mom, not being organized enough, not being a good enough wife, not, you know, and, and so I, during a Bible study just like this, I challenged myself to begin putting God first. You go, well, that's crazy. You're a pastor. You mean you weren't putting God first? Yeah, that's what I mean. I was putting everybody and everything first. Because I'm a mom. I'm super mom. And super mom has to do, you know, it on her own. I am woman. Hear me roar. And numbers too big. You know, I'm a 70s girl. Burn your bra and all that. <laughs> that didn't work very well. Um, but I did have an afro at one point. I just have to put that in. Um, and so I promised the Lord that from that day forward, every morning, before I even got out of bed, before I even began waking up, the minute I was cognizant of my surroundings, I was going to praise God and acknowledge him and have conversation with the Lord. So the next morning, I woke up and I went, okay, I'm not going to stress about the laundry. I'm not going to wonder if everybody has socks. I'm not going to wonder, did I have enough eggs in the refrigerator? You know, the whole thing. And as I was laying in bed, I just began acknowledging the Lord. Just thank you for this day, Father. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you gave me this amazing family. This is what I have to do today. And I can tell you that that morning, when I opened my eyes, everything looked brighter. I know it sounds so dramatic, but that's what happened. So this pattern started for the next few days. And about the third or fourth day, as I began being aware that I was waking up, as I just began listening and was just getting ready to just start talking to the Lord, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Good morning, friend. You see, God wanted me. He was jealous for me. And he was allowing all the things that were pulling at me to frustrate me so that I would turn to him because he wanted me to know he was enough for me. God is enough for you, but you're never going to know it if you don't plug into the source. So the first point I would give you about prayer is this. What is prayer? Prayer is simply divine communion with our Heavenly Father. That's what prayer is. Prayer is just divine communion. Now, I have communion with my husband. It's pretty divine sometimes. But it's not the kind of divine communion with Jesus is. It's not that kind. Of, it's a special kind of divine that you cannot have with anyone on earth. And this divine communion is the kind of communion that really transforms our lives. It's the kind of communion 
that really changes our circumstances. It's the divine communion is eternal. This we will have for all eternity. When I get to heaven, I'm just going to pick up right where I had a conversation here. If you've ever been with anybody that's passed away that's a believer, I can tell you that there is an instantaneous sense of God's presence as they take their last breath. I've been in the hospital rooms. I've been next to people when they took their last breath. And I can tell you that that relationship just bursts. In fact, when my dad passed away, there was so much joy in the room, we all started laughing. He was a wonderful follower of Christ. And we were like, we can't be doing this. And then we thought, why not? My dad was receiving his heavenly reward. Why wouldn't we laugh? Why wouldn't we have joy, right? So prayer is simply divine communion with the heavenly father. B, prayer is the vision of the believer because it gives eyes to your faith. Prayer is the vision of the believer because it gives eyes to our faith. When you pray, you're removing this fleshly veil and your eyes are being opened to the spiritual. We are body, soul, and spirit. This is my flesh, my personality, my soul, but my spirit is spiritual. Okay? My spirit has the potential to see into the spiritual realm that is there. There is a spiritual realm. We know it. We read it in Ephesians chapter 6. We read it through Ephesians chapter 1. It says, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It talks about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in 2 Corinthians 10. But they're spiritual, they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we know that there's a spiritual realm. So when we pray, it's the vision of the believer to begin seeing with our spiritual eyes what we cannot see with our human eyes on this earth. And every one of you, God has a vision for you to see beyond these eyes. Small children, raising children, he wants you to see their potential. He wants to show you their gifting. He wants to show you who they are to be so you can begin speaking that into their lives and over that life. I remember Cindy and my kids, I'll get them all new outfits. But because um, we have a rule in our family, get a new outfit. No matter what Pastor Scott said Sunday, that is not counseled. <laughs> if you get talked about, you get a new outfit. No, but I remember her leadership skills at a very young age. She would have lists of things that need to be accomplished. And by the time she was in fifth grade, she was class president. You know, she already had these administrative, she already had these giftings, but the Lord had showed me that in prayer, even when she was a little girl, because she would boss me around. If you boss me around, you got some leadership skills, let me tell you. I'm like, this child's bossing me around. So we begin seeing, though, in the realm that is beyond the flesh. 
we began seeing, you may see, the Lord may show your husband struggling with something. And you can begin praying. The Lord will wake you up and he'll put somebody's face in your mind. And you'll go, I need to pray for that person. He'll begin sharing with you, even children. Okay? So this is what we get our vision when we pray. Then see, prayer is the ultimate indication of our trust that our Heavenly Father will answer our prayers and meet our needs. Prayer is the ultimate indication of our trust that our Heavenly Father will answer our prayers and meet our needs. So you're going, okay, well, what do I need to know about prayer? Now, this sounds really cool. I want to sign up. How do I get started? Well, there's a few ground rules you need to know. First of all, prayer is not optional. If you are a follower of Christ, prayer is not optional. We'll slow down just a second here. (laughs) So prayer is the ultimate indication of our trust that our Heavenly Father will answer our prayers. And you know what? I'll make sure and have these notes for you next week. And you can add them into your notebooks. Okay. Basically, prayer is just faith. That's just a fancy way of saying prayer is faith. So, what I need to know, prayer is not optional. If you are a follower of Christ, you do not have an option about prayer. It's not something you have to pray about, as Pastor Scott shared Sunday. You don't have to pray about being baptized. Should I be baptized? You don't have to pray about it. It says, be baptized. The word says it. It says in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. It's not an option. Turn to your friend and go, prayer is not an option. It's not an option. No prayer, no peace. Bottom line. Absence of prayer equals absence of power. Uh, People come to me and they'll say, I just don't have any power in my life. And they'll say, well, do you pray? Well, I'm really busy. Really? Wait a minute. You want power, but you don't want to plug into the source? That seems a little bit backwards to me. Because prayer is what gives us power. Absence of prayer is the absence of power. It's really easy. You don't put gas in your car, it will not leave the driveway. If your tank is empty, (laughs) on you. Try to drive that car without gas in it. You are not going to get out of the driveway unless, you know what, you push it. And that's exactly what a lot of Christians do. Their gas tank gets empty, and they push their car around, and they'll come and say, I'm so tired. Oh, man, I'm so tired. I'm like, well, why don't you just drive your car to church? Oh, I've been pushing my car. Hey, why don't you put some gas in your tank, and you can drive it? Oh, duh. I mean, it seems so obvious, and I'm not trying to be tried or kind of make fun of people, but it's so obvious sometimes And it's so simple to make a transforming decision by just plugging into the source. So absence of prayer equals absence of power, but frequency of prayer equals God's power. I think it was, uh, 
um, one of the uh, men that spoke a few years ago, um, and he said he had made it a practice that every time he sat at a stoplight, he began praying. Just think if every time you went to pick up a kid at school, you began praying. Or every time your kids were doing homework, like I said, whatever it is, set up a regiment. I tell the story of my friend that had her husband had left her. Her name was Michelle many, many years ago. He had left her with a little three-year-old daughter, had had another life going with another woman, and she finally, after trying so hard, had to let him go. And she came to me one day and she said, how can God bless my life when my husband chose not to follow God's commands? And I thought, oh, no, 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 this is a stump question. (laughs) Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. And then all of a sudden, the Lord just spoke to me and said, because my promises to you are based on my relationship with you, not on my relationship with your husband. So she began, she had to go to work. She began working in a law office as a temp agent, through a temp agent. And she met a young attorney and brought him to church, and he received Jesus Christ. And a few, about a year later, they got married and have had a wonderful life because that day she made a decision that she was going to become a prayer partner with God and receive God's power in her life, and she was not going to allow her circumstances to dictate her life. That woman, uh, fast forward a few years, she had a little boy that was born with cerebral palsy and was in a wheelchair. He was completely paralyzed from the neck down. And one day I went beautiful, brand new hu- home her husband had bought and for them, and and uh, he had another little girl. So they ended up had three children. They ended up having four children. And I went to her house and it was beautiful. And she said, "I have to show you something. I have to show you something. Come here, come here." And she took me upstairs, and in her closet was a little burgundy pillow. And I thought, "Well, that's not very an imp- a burgundy pillow. Wow." She goes, "That's my prayer closet, right?" She goes, every day I come here and pray because I can't do it on my own. See, she learned something through her trials that prayer equals power. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Could we read this together? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. B, prayer is urgent. Prayer is urgent. Ladies, we're in a battle. We are in the last days. If you've missed that, we need to talk. We are in the last days. We are in a battle. I encourage you this week to read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, where Jesus tells us to pray that his kingdom will come and his will would be done on earth as in heaven. Do you ever think about that? Well, what's his will? What's heaven like? No pain, no sickness, no sorrow, no broken relationships. The streets are cold. That's his will. His will is for earth to be like heaven. I don't know how that works out because sometimes my streets are not gold. 
They are cobblestones, <laughs> and my feet get cut up. Um, prayer is what changes that, because we have been called to partner with God, and prayer does, does definitely make a difference. And then C, prayer works. James 5.16 says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Now, today I promised you we'd have a, a testimony. And for those of you who don't know Larry and Stephanie Larson, um, they are our prayer leaders on our Thursday night prayer group that's here in the junior high room at 7 o'clock every Thursday. And they lead a prayer group from different churches. People come, people from our church, and they're praying for revival. And they've been doing this for, what, maybe two years now? Um, I've known Stephanie for a long time. I knew her when she was a single girl waiting for a single guy and uh, just growing in the Lord, just a really sweet spirit, just a loving person. And the Lord brought her wonderful Larry, and they've been married for how long now? Three, three years. And I asked her because we have seen such growth in her as she's participated in this prayer leadership and whenever Pastor Rick comes home after being there, he always says, man, that Stephanie has found her niche. Prayer is Stephanie's niche. And so when we were talking to prayer, I thought, you know what? Let's have somebody that's really experienced this and really can share. So would you welcome with me Miss Stephanie Larson? Larry and I started the prayer meeting two years ago. Actually, it was my husband's idea. The Lord had put it on his heart really heavy to start praying for revival. And um, we were kind of talking a lot about the world issues and looking at um, just the church. And we really felt like God was kind of saying, my church is asleep. And... Um, we had started reading um, the revival lectures by Charles Finney, and he's like an 1800s revivalist, and um, his his revival lectures were just really compelling, and um, his life story was just really amazing because he would go into different cities, and before he would even say a word, he would be there to minister, but he before he would say a word, the town, anyone he came across would just start feeling horrible about their sin and feeling like they needed to repent. And so we kind of were like, man, we, we want to walk around like that, you know. <laughs> and, you know, we, we want to affect the world like that, you know. And so um, I remember one day Larry came home from work or something, and he just was almost in tears. And I was like, what's wrong? You know, what happened? And what did you do? <laughs> and um, 
he was just like, we need to pray for revival. And so it kind of started just me and him in the house, you know, just praying. You know, he, I, would, I would be like watching TV or something, and he would be like, you need to shut it off, and we need to pray for revival. And so I was kind of like, um, I was on board, but at the same time, I was kind of like, man, like, this is really, like, taking all my free time, you know? <laughs> like, I can't enjoy myself ever. But, um, but actually, I remember just even when we started doing Thursday night prayer, I felt like it was just so hard to get there. It was so hard to get to the prayer meeting, or it was so hard, you know, if someone would ask me to pray, it was hard to actually get to it, you know, and it felt like such a discipline, and it felt like, you know, some of the things it wasn't immediately on my heart to pray for, you know, but we were interceding, you know, and so, um, but once we got into prayer, every time it was like we just were so relieved and blessed, and we felt like God was pleased with what we were doing, and we, we were um, following the call of God, and so for the church, you know, not just for us, but I, we really felt like, I always thought it was kind of a gift to be able to do that, because it is so hard to sit for an hour and pray, but I felt like, you know, God wants to heal our land, and so therefore, we have to pray it, you know, we have to, to pray for it to happen, but he already wants to do it, but it's like he puts almost the responsibility on us somehow to partner with him. So um, so we, we started doing Thursday night prayer, and same thing. It was each week was really, really hard for me to get there. It was like, you know, I'd be running behind with my clients, and work would run late, and it would just be stressful to try to get there. But then same thing, as soon as I walked in the door, you know, um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just giving me the strength and um, the energy and blessing me all the way through and afterward, and we were staying up late talking to people, and it was like, how am I going to wake up in the morning? But it also was just a really huge blessing. And so um, so as we started doing Thursday night prayer, one of a couple of the big prayers that we would pray, you know, toward revival were... Um, God, give your church a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Cause us to repent as your bride and be cleansed, you know. And another big one was personal holiness. That was a big topic of prayer that individually, you know, they kind of go hand in hand, but individually that um, God would begin to cause the fruit, you know, of personal holiness. And so... It was kind of funny because in my mind when we would pray for this, I was thinking about, you know, their personal holiness and other people's, you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness. But as I would just go about my day, and I feel like God still does this but um, in me, but I started to hear God say, you know, just in my private time or if I was frustrated about something throughout the day, I started to feel like God would be like, what do you need to repent of, you know, um, or if I would be pointing the finger at someone, I felt like God would kind of, like, turn it back on me, not in a condemning way, but just, you know, revealing my own heart, and so it was just crazy, because we're praying for revival, and 
the things that come with it, and God was doing it in us first, you know, and so, um, so that was, that was, I feel like that's been a theme with the prayer is just God changing me and changing all of us individually. So, um, um, so we, the revival prayer meeting started to grow bigger, and it was kind of like a little bit of branch of Tuesday night prayer. There's a men's prayer meeting on Tuesday night, and there were already awesome things happening there, um, but this one was like for men and women, so so some of those men came over to our group and just kind of like shared their passion with us, and we all were kind of getting stirred up, and we started to see... Um, miracles because people would bring friends in or people would just come in and find the prayer room and say I need prayer for healing or my marriage is falling apart or um, just personal needs and so we started to just pray for them and we started to see really really big things like you know after we would pray people's marriages would get restored quickly and or um, sometimes there would be people with addictions and the, just the addiction would be broken off and you know sometimes you look at that and you're like are they going to go back to it like you're kind of afraid to start celebrating because you're like is this really happening you know but um but God really I felt like he moved really big and and just really quickly on behalf of our prayers and so I felt like you know we really had his ear and I, I think we still do, but um, I remember just the miracles and the prayers getting bigger and our faith just really rising and seeing, like, you know, even bigger and greater things happening, you know, cancer healed and um, tumors being dissolved. Um, I I was getting really zealous for that when... I started to see that. I started to get really stirred up, and then I wanted to go out and pray for my friends and, like, my coworkers, and so, you know, outside of church, and um, that's hard for me to just talk to someone who's a stranger or a coworker and just be like, hey, can I pray for you? It's, that's like a boldness that I feel like I, I really, the Lord wants me to develop, and so I started feeling like, well, I, ha I really have to step out in faith, so... I I remember this. I was praying for opportunities, and I remember one of my coworkers was like, yeah, I, I might have to go in for surgery. And I was like, why? And she said, um, look, I have a tumor. And she showed me her leg. Like, she made me touch her leg, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this thing, it just was so scary. I would have been so scared if, if I had that in my leg. And so it was, you know, like a, a hard-edged tumor and so um I really wanted to pray for her I felt like just such an urgency but I was so nervous and scared because we were in the workplace and I didn't know who was going to walk in and how weird it would be if I'm like I command you know like, I command you to go you know like and like I just didn't want to be misunderstood and so I let the opportunity pass me by and I didn't offer prayer and shortly after that I was kind of praying for a second chance and I regretted that, and I and shortly after, um, she wasn't going to be working with us anymore. She got really sick, and and then she 
um, pretty much my boss had to bring someone else in, and so she didn't have really a job when she came back. And so she wasn't working for me anymore. I couldn't contact her, and um, I just felt like I was praying on my own, but I kind of was like, God, I really wish that I could have a second chance. And um, I ended up doing a wedding, and she was also doing the same wedding. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it no matter what. I don't even care. <laughs> so, so after the wedding, I was like, hey, um, can I pray for you? I, I just, ever since you told me what with your leg, like, you know, is it still there? She's like, yeah, I'm actually having surgery on Monday. So then I'm like, it's too late. Like, I'm just feeling so discouraged. And But I was like, I'm just going to pray anyway. And so we went out to the parking lot. I prayed for her, and I just commanded it to go. And then, you know, it was very, like, a bold prayer. And then at the end, I said, at the end of the prayer, I said, no surgery needed. <laughs> like, and then I kind of was like, no, you know, like, should I have said that? Because what if she has to have the surgery, you know? And so um, so I'm, like, waiting. We, Larry and I were praying all weekend. We're like, we just really need to pray that God shows up. And so Monday comes around. She's supposed to have surgery in the morning, and she never contacts me all day. And I'm like, great. She had the surgery. Like, God's not even getting the glory. I should have just prayed for her when I had the chance in the beginning. Um, but I still was, like, hopeful, like, maybe, you know, maybe she just, like, didn't think to call me, you know. And um, she actually had posted something on Facebook, but I didn't go on Facebook that day. And so um, she texted me at 11 o'clock at night and was like, hey, I don't know if you heard or if you saw this on Facebook, but um, – your prayers worked. I didn't have to have the surgery. And she's like, I just was sitting there in my, on the operating table in my robe or whatever that thing is, the smock or whatever, and um, so scared. And the doctor came in just to, just to like check it out one more time and said, um, it, the, it's changed in form. It would be, it would be more risky for me to do the surgery because it, it's changing in form or something. And um, actually, I, I talked to her three months later, and it was completely gone. And so, <laughs> so, so that was probably, even now, the biggest, for me, just the biggest, like, faith-rising miracle that I've experienced um, because it was such a huge step of faith for me to even do something like that, you know? And so, um, so you know, we're, we're still praying Thursday nights. We're still seeing awesome things happen. And even in the congregation, we're hearing stuff from Pastor Rick, a lot of testimonies of salvations and all this stuff. And, of course, I'm really getting encouraged for my personal prayer life at home for my family and, um, you know, the things that are near and dear to my heart personally. And um, at the same time, I'm not really, you know, at this point, I've, every time I pray, I'm starting to feel like God is giving me the, the assurance, I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer. And I just, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm really hearing the Lord say that a lot. And so my faith is just really strong. But then in my own personal prayer life, I'm not experiencing the same feeling of assurance. And um, off and on, you know, sometimes I'm like, I know God's going to answer this, 
but I'm not seeing the complete breakthrough. And so, you know, I'm praying for salvations. I'm praying for restoration in my family. Um, and some of the prayers just seem huge. Just, you know, knowing God can do anything, but just being like, this is a battle, you know? And, um, and, I, and I, I have to fight, and God is going to have to fight. And so, you know, on my behalf, on the behalf of my family. And so I'm starting to get a little bit, like, wavery on my faith with my family because I'm just not, I'm not really seeing the complete breakthrough. And it's kind of like one step forward, two steps back. And um, I remember just kind of, like, doubting, kind of feeling like, you know what? I'm just going to put this prayer on the back burner. I know that God will take care of it, but I just can't. I don't think I can handle the disappointment, and so I'm just going to continue praying on Thursday for everyone else and everything else that I feel like God has put on my heart and then kind of thinking, like, God will just take care of that. But really, I think that there was some doubt rooted there. And so one day I was kind of feeling condemned about that, and I was driving in my car, and I was just kind of talking to God, saying, you know, God, um, do you hear me? You know, I just feel like I felt hindered because of my own doubt that maybe God didn't hear me. And not that he wasn't giving me his ear, but just that I was like, it was me. And so, I don't know, I just didn't feel his presence. I didn't feel the assurance. And I'm like, do you even hear me? And um, at that moment, immediately, I'm in the car, you know, driving, but in that moment, I saw a picture of my mouth, like, moving, speaking prayers, and God's ear, just this huge ear, right here up against my mouth, and he said, that's how I hear you. And so, you know, huge encouragement that I felt that God was trying to show me, you know, like, are you still going to believe even now, you know, when when it's hard and when you don't feel that the breakthrough's coming, you know, like, I'm faithful. And so it was just really neat because it wasn't just about the prayer getting answered. It, re it really was about my relationship with the Lord, you know, and knowing, like, he was coming so near to me and um, in a time of need and in a time when I was discouraged and, um, you know, I just was real before the Lord, and I'm like, he knows, and I feel like you don't hear me, and so, <laughs> and so it was just cool to, like, to know that even in that time that God was really coming near to me, and, and he didn't have to do that, but it was a huge encouragement that he did that, and um, really touched my heart, and it really, you know, it, it, like I said, it wasn't like, oh, God hears me now. I know the prayer is going to get answered. But it just was like, that's enough that he hears me, you know. And so, um, so, oops. Another thing that God encouraged me with to almost show me, you know, that, that our prayers are working and, um, that he uses every prayer is, um, I was just watching, I randomly came across this testimony of a Satanist who converted to Christianity. And um, he was sharing his testimony and he went back to the time where he became um, like a child of Satan, like he called himself that because 
his dad died and his dad was a Satanist. And when his dad died, um, the devil came to him and said, I'm your father now. And he wanted approval from his dad. So when Satan gave him that, he kind of was like, cool, you know, great. This is probably the relationship that I've been wanting. And so, um, so at some point he would do things for the devil. He had like an assignment and he would go out into cities and, um, the way he describes it is he basically like astro projected himself into these cities and he would go with the purpose of cursing the city. So he would go over the city speaking curses over the city. And he said, if you can, it's an amazing strategy of, of the devil's work. But, um, he said, if, you know, he's educating us basically with his testimony. If you can weaken a city or a community with, um, in the spiritual realm, then you can overtake it in the natural realm. And um, so I was like, wow, really? I didn't know that. And um, he said, as he was going to curse a specific city, he saw a group of believers praying over that city. And he said he couldn't touch that city. And so that was a huge encouragement. Anything that I had left on the back burner in prayer, I like picked it back up and was like, I am going to keep praying for this because it's working even though I can't see it. And so, so um, you know, I'm still growing, and I feel like the Lord is still doing a work in me as far as prayer goes and giving me vision for what he wants me to pray for and I feel like the more I pray, the more I hear his voice, and the more he, the more I feel like in prayer, I, my ear gets tuned to God's will and God's voice, and especially when I'm praying what he's putting on my heart, or when I'm practicing, you know, stepping out on what he's telling me to do, I feel like the next time he tells me, I'm not going to doubt because I'm just going to know, and it's, it's, you know, there's some form of, like, exercising it, I feel like. But anyway, I do feel like I'm growing more, and I feel like prayer has changed my life, and I'm learning more and more how to believe that it works in in every way. And, um, you know, just walking walking in that. And um, so that's all, and thank you so much. Hopefully that encourages you. ordinary person can do extraordinary things for the Lord. Awesome. So the pattern of prayer is this graph that we have. That is a pattern for us to take. The graph that you have, the little bookmark, the little graph in your book this week, that's the challenge. What we're going to do now for the next 10 minutes is you're going to get to pray with your table leader. So I encourage you to go ahead table leaders. Um, I know sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge when you're with a group of women to talk, but we're going to practice it. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to ask you to find one person at your table and just turn to them. And you're going to pray for each other 
that you will become a prayer partner with God in a greater way than ever before. And if you go, I, I feel uncomfortable praying, then just tell the person, you pray. Okay, so let's do that. Everybody find somebody now. Turn to that person. Okay. Okay.